This is the premier podcast for late model dirt track racing. This is Forward Bite, hosted by superfan and actual know-it-all Kyle Armstrong on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Welcome back to another edition of the Forward Bite Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong, from the Speed Sport Studios, presented by Crosley Radio. This week, we're talking with Austin Kirkpatrick, who made the 50th World 100. It's a true underdog story. I'm excited to talk to him here coming up on the show. The 51st and 50th World 100s were contested this weekend at Eldora Speedway, in case you didn't know, and we were there to watch it all. It was a great week of racing. The weather was absolutely perfect every single day and night. On Wednesday night, it was Tim McCready and Johnny Scott picking up the twin 25 qualifying race victories. Johnny Scott mentioned that he was just about ready to sell everything he had and go back to New Mexico and race modifieds, and somebody talked him into sticking around and running this race at the world, and he picked up that win on Wednesday night, and it was a true confidence booster for him. I talked to him a little bit after it, and he acts like he's here to stay now, so we'll really be interested to see where he can go from here. And he also uh, ran really good on Saturday night in the World 100, start, won a heat race, started up toward the front. So uh, great weekend overall for Johnny Scott, for sure. Stormy Scott's brother, you know, they're Stormy's twin brother. You know, we had Stormy on the show there a while back, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Maybe we need to get Johnny on here at some point now, so we'll see. But uh um, good congratulations to him for sure. And Thursday night, when it counted, it was Evans, Georgia's Brandon Overton picking up the 51st annual World 100 win and the $54,000 paycheck that came with it, adding to his already illustrious year that includes the double dream victories back in June and more crown jewels, including the North-South 100, Carolina Sizzler, and others. On Friday, we went to... Uh, the St. Henry nightclub where they had Jack Hewitt, Charlie Swartz and Larry Moore in there telling stories. And man, they were some good stories. We, they started about one o'clock and, and it went until nearly four o'clock, just, just story after story. And, uh, man, it was, uh, if, if just to be a fly on the wall in that room, I'm telling you, it was some great stories and, and I was honored to be there in attendance. And we had a lot of fun there. Um, just, just listening to those stories and laughing and, uh, a lot of fun for sure. Now, back at the racetrack that night, Brandon Overton found victory lane once again in the in the 50th World 100 prelim twin qualifying race, and Greg Satterley picked up the other twin 25 qualifying race victory. And also to note, the Eldora 50-50 set a new record on Friday with the winner taking home over $143,000 and over $106,000 on Saturday. How many tickets did you buy? Send us a tweet and let us know how many tickets you bought at the World 100 to try to win that prize. I know I spent about 10 to $20 a day trying to win it and uh, didn't even come close, but it, it keeps me wanting to go back again to give it another shot. Cause uh, that'd be a lot of money to bring home, I guess. Let's see here. As Saturday rolled around, no one thought anyone had anything for Brandon Overton, but as the night would go on, it was Jonathan Davenport claiming his fourth globe trophy and only six starts uh, since he won his first one in the 50th World 100, and it was his, and it was a record crowd of fans and just an awesome night of racing. It was, you know, the pageantry and all that stuff. Whenever they sang the national anthem, and, uh, Rusty Shields sang the national anthem, and they had the horses out there and the fireworks and the flyover and everybody on their feet, and it was just uh, it was just an unreal uh, deal that they that they put on there for the opening ceremonies and. Some of the past winners were there getting their picture made in victory lane, such as Charlie Swartz, Steve Francis, Donnie Moran, Scott Bloomquist, and uh, Dale McDowell, Shannon Babb, and others. It was it was a neat deal to be a part of, for sure. I was glad to be there. 
after the race, you know, so Jonathan Davenport did pick up the 50th World 100, and a lot of people interviewed Jonathan and talked to him about what he thought about it. But as I was hanging out after the race there, I had an idea. I said, I got this uh, recorder in my pocket. I want to talk to J.L. Davenport, Jonathan's father, and and tell him, and get him to tell, tell us how proud he is of his son. You know, um, J.L. stepped out of the car uh, years ago and let uh, let Jonathan start racing. And ever since, uh, it's you know, it's been on from there. So I got a quick word with him to uh, to hear what he thought about the win there Saturday night. And, J.L., your son Jonathan just picked up his fourth win in the World 100 and the 50th World 100 this year. How proud does that make you as a father? Oh, it makes me real proud. We've been working at this ever since he was six-year-old, and, and we finally got one in 2015, and we just kept building up trying to – get us one every year and we miss a year or so there but that's makes the fourth one yeah a lot of a lot of good uh runs in between too but all those wins man and i got the t-shirt on right now i've been at all for all four of these now and it's it's amazing to me to see jonathan you know i've watched him race from from pretty much the beginning running those legend cars and and y'all have come a long way for sure to do this being from blairsville georgia how much longer do you think it's going to be till they put the home of Jonathan Davenport on the welcome to Blairsville sign. I won't know about that, you know. That's a bunch of rednecks up there. They, don't, they think about Bill Elliott and Chase Elliott and them guys over in Dawsonville, but they never bring Jonathan's name up. But he's in the Hall of Fame in Dawsonville, too. Exactly. Yeah, you've got one of the, one of the best Sons in Georgia for sure that is in a auto racing and uh, man it's 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 just got to feel good. I just wanted to congratulate you tonight. Uh, it just makes cold chills run over me to think about it. I've been in a long time with him. We've been from six year old. He won his first go kart race and he thought he had to win them all after that. And sometimes I'd have to take him out back and shake him, keep him from crying, and tell him. To, tell them boys that they done a good job and i said they did if they outrun you yeah <laughs> you know i can almost see the hair standing up on the back of your oh, neck right now did. you know and the goosebumps and everything and i mean this was probably this being the 50th annual world 100 and all that and this is probably the biggest crowd that's ever been here at this pl- at this place and and for him to win it oh, obviously it's pretty special it is it is i was probably about 28 year old when he was born and uh I stayed with him till I was 37, and then I quit my racing and just helped him full time. We was both racing, but I just quit mine. He was much better, and I wanted him to go on, and it tickled me more to watch him race than it did for me to win one. So I guess that means a lot that that sacrifice has paid off, that you got out of the seat and let him drive, and uh, we're here today, right? That's right, that's right. That sure is. Well, J.L. Davenport, we definitely appreciate you. Uh, uh, man, it's been a great thing to watch you guys come up through the ranks and, uh, and be here today in uh, another globe in the, in the trophy room. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. Blaine, his little boy, Bill, put one of them in his room, I know. And he'd been sick this week, but he got over it. Good Lord seen him over it, and that got Jonathan's head back straight, and he was able to capitalize on that today and win it. Well, what an accomplishment again, and congratulations to you and your entire family on this uh, feat. Uh, sure, thank you. Thank you. Also, I was able to get a word in with Mike Marler, who turned a lot of heads on Saturday night in the 50th World 100. He had a 
a heat race crash there that looked like it was going to take him out whenever Tyler Herb came down off the wall and Mike Marler slammed into him with his right rear quarter panel and we're like, man, he's done for tonight. That's terrible. So, so he was out of that heat race, went in there and they, they worked on it and thrashed on it and got him back out there for the, for the B main. And he started 17th in the B main. He came all the way to third in the transfer spot there and made the world 100 started at the back of the world and came to the front toward the end and was stalking the leader, Jonathan Davenport, there late in the show and finished second. So I caught up with Mike Marler after the race. Well, Mike, you had a solid second place run here in the 50th World 100 tonight. But, man, in that heat race, you looked like you were done for tonight. We all thought you were done for tonight, so you went to the B main. I, I just want to know what happened between that and the feature to bring you back out here to get this car in the field and make the show in that B main. Well, in that heat, I mean, I, I've had a good car all weekend. I, you know, I qualified. I had a good car all weekend. I qualified fourth, and that inverted us. And I've just been fighting that all weekend, you know. So, uh, force a really hard spot here to start there and dirt and dust and all that when it tracks fast. And uh, but anyway, yeah. So that went south in the heat, and then I got in the transfer spot. Then Tyler crashed, and I, you know, he hit the wall and parked in front of him and tore my deck out. And uh, but man, my crew, you, I can't believe they got it fixed. I mean, they uh, uh, when I pulled out. For the B, I didn't even have a helmet on. Like, I literally was popping rivets two minutes before I was on that racetrack with a helmet on. So we luckily made it out there, and uh, uh, the car was good in that B from 17th or whatever, you know, and then and then that gave me an opportunity to work on it just a little bit for that feature, and, and that really helped me get it tuned in, too. Drove from the back of that B main into the transfer spot, made the show, and then started the back of the World 100 and came all the way to second and was really stalking the leader, Davenport, there at the end. I mean, that... What could you have done different there to maybe really man? I don't know if you could have or not, but um, he was just uh, turning the center of the corner a little bit better than I was. His car, his car was really good. Mine was too, and uh, but um, yeah, he just was just turning the center of the corner just a wee bit better. And uh, I had my shot, you know. I think it was a five to go. That caution, mm -hmm. five or eight, yeah. five, maybe eight. It was eight, eight yeah. yeah. And I had that caution there, and I got just. I thought, man, this is a restart of a lifetime here i got to get this ride and, and i did i timed it perfect i actually uh got the lead on him or got the kind of the you know kind of pulled ahead down the front straight with maybe a foot or two and then when we, as we entered the corner he stared left and he could turn across the center better and i just kind of, kind of a little tight through the center and, and he was able to clear me but uh but yeah if I, I i was uh almost as fast as him but he was just a little bit better still but still a second place in the world 100 has got to be pretty satisfying for you especially from the adversity you guys went through tonight so second place around the night to get to come back in here next year and try to get one spot better i guess that's it yeah and and uh you know i used to honestly i never really enjoyed it coming here as much as i do now and i'm starting to really enjoy it more as i get older for some reason and and uh you know uh we've got a we've got a couple of top tens and and we run third uh, the last time jonathan won and i run third and then tonight's second. So we're nibbling away at it, and maybe we can get us one. Yeah, you're out there in the mix always up here. So congratulations on a good run tonight. I wish it could have been one spot better, but you'll get them next year, hopefully. Yes, yeah, sir. <laughs> hopefully, like I say, to all the Davenport fans out there, he done a good job tonight and had a perfect car. And, uh, uh, you know, he, 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 he really deserved to win it, and he yeah. did. So I was happy for him. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. Yep. I always like a good underdog story. And Ryan King that we had on the – uh, podcast on the last episode ryan king with mike knuckles and talked about warrior race cars a couple of weeks ago well ryan king made the field on friday night for the 51st or i mean actually it was on thursday night on the 51st world 100 
and and ran pretty decent uh but finished 24th but he was just so happy and a smile that you couldn't wipe off his face he was so excited to make that field that night and it was great to see that and another true underdog story was austin kirkpatrick who built his own race car to go up there and with a goal of winning the world 100 one day austin kirkpatrick made the field in that 50th world 100 and finished 19th on saturday night a really impressive deal just to make the field, and, and he was able to accomplish that. So coming up next, we're going to talk to Austin on the Andy's Towing Hotline and get his thoughts about this weekend, a, a good recap, and uh, what, what he's got coming up next. So stay tuned. This is the Forward Bike Podcast on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Watch your favorite teams out of market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. Before we get back to Forward Bite with Kyle Armstrong, with everything from resto mods to numbers matching classics, American muscle to European exotics, watch as a dazzling array of vehicles cross the block at the GAA Classic Cars Auction. Tune in on MAV TV for Speed Sport Presents, the GAA Classic Cars Auto Auction. Check your local listings for channel and time. Welcome back to the Forward Bite podcast on the Speed Sport podcast network presented by crosley radio this week we're going to the andy's towing hotline to talk to austin kirkpatrick about his ak race cars and him making the field in the 50th world 100 and about how hard he's worked and sacrificed everything to to make it to that level and go up there and really excited to hear this conversation with austin today so austin what's going on today man well not too much i just got done uh mowing my knee high grass as it had taken a backseat to world 100 prep so got her all chopped down and i'm hoping i'll get less dirty looks from the neighbors now <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's uh world 100 you put that to the top of the priority <clears throat> list whenever it comes up on the calendar i do too and uh it's it was a good weekend up there you couldn't beat the weather a lot of good weather of course uh of course you had a pretty pretty great weekend there i guess just uh start with wednesday and kind of recap what what happened there and then uh go into Thursday and then we'll, we'll, head, we'll, uh, end out with, of course, Saturday, whenever you made the big show. Yeah. Well, I'll rewind it back a little, little Re- further than yeah, that. Rewind even. It so, even further. Yeah, sure. So going, uh, going back to the dream, um, we got caught up in some mess, um, in one of the, uh, consolation races and got the front and rear clip knocked off. So after that happened, I was, I was pretty dejected because not only did we have a crashed race car, we had a crashed slow race car. Um, we didn't really show too much speed during the, uh, the double dream week. And, uh, it took me about a week to get, get back in gear and get motivated again. Um, so after about a week after the dream, we broke ground on another chassis, ordered a bunch of tubes from, uh, stock car steel and started kind of piecing something together that was a little bit different than what we'd uh what we'd made for for the dream and uh it was it was quite a thrash fest to get it ready in time for the world being that it was only about a month and a half away so we uh stuck a bunch of tubes together and uh got it together about a week before the world 100 and were able to go test 
uh, one time, um, but it was still quite a uh, quite an accomplishment just to even make it to the racetrack with uh, with that tight of a schedule. We were putting A posts and B posts and putting the Kenny Collins wrap on at the racetrack on Wednesday. Um, so it was uh, definitely uh, uh, an ill-prepared effort, but we um, we were able to at least get to the track and. Wednesday, Thursday, we kind of got buried a little bit. Just got had some bad luck on the pill draw. We were last to go out in Group Group A, and uh, if we'd have been one car later and been the first car out in Group B, I think we'd have been in the top ten. Um, but we were pretty far back in Group A, and uh, got got buried in our heat race and just weren't able to recover pretty much for for the whole fifty first World One Hundred. Um, but we had a little bit better luck for the fiftieth. Had a good pill draw, qualified third overall on uh, on Friday, and then had a good heat race Friday. Made it into the Concy, or I uh, made it into the preliminary race. Started started pretty good, and then we we threw some things at it for the race that just didn't just slept didn't work out, and uh, we went backwards pretty quick and ended up um, finishing in the back of that one. And um, then for for Saturday, we were one position out of getting inverted to the pole for the heat race. We had to start fifth in our heat, and we passed, uh, I think, past Dale Mack or past one guy. You were to get. fast in that heat race too, by the way. I don't mean to interrupt you there, but you were you were out right there with him. But you were just fourth, and they took the top three. I was like, man, he's I was that close to getting in there. But anyway, continue there. Yeah, yeah. So we were we we're definitely quick in the heat. We uh, we had some good guys behind us, and we're able to track down third on what wouldn't be considered the raciest of conditions um would have, if we had another lap or two probably would have transferred in through the heat but had to go to the b main started pulling that one one uh the b main so that we got to start 19th in the feature and uh <clears throat> threw a few more things at it trying to get better in the slick because that's something we we've always struggled with um even the uh the beam car that i made that won uh that cherokee race last year and qualified at front and ran at front sharp at the world finals was uh was a little bit lackluster in the slick um but it took us a few laps to get going i think we fell back to 25th or so but by uh by about halfway we were in 12th and uh we're we're making a pretty steady march towards the front and uh there's a a little bit of a i guess an accordion type restart that uh manifested in me getting the uh the front filler panel knocked in um just a, a big uh, bunch up and that's what the that's what caused the devin moran caution there where he spun out in the middle of one and two we all got bunched up uh i ran under Mc, dale mcdowell and i think strickler got in the back of me and moran just shot underneath all of us and went and looped in front of the field um but that uh knocked the radiator back into the fan so all oh. the fan blades got got broke off, and so we started overheating and had to had to pull in. But we were we were extremely happy with how fast it was, and uh, just to make the show after kind of the first few days was was you know enough for me enough for us to hang our hats high and uh, come out of there with a smile. Yeah, I've got a I've got a bunch of questions about all of that right there, and hopefully I can remember to get to them all. But um, for one thing, you said you stuck a bunch of tubes together. I know there's a lot more to it than that. You've got uh, a little bit of an engineering background, I understand, and it it's a lot more. I mean, you so you put this car together. This is a one of one car right now. It's the only one in the country or in the world, and and you took it in there and ran with all the 
factory factory teams, you know, and, and put it in the show. I, I really think that's an impressive deal in itself. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely uh, one of one. Um, people have often asked me what it's a copy of, and it's almost an offensive question to me. Um, but it uh, it's kind of just a, a – it's the brainchild of me and a, a bunch of my really smart friends that have uh, kind of put our heads together and tried to uh, make something that was a little, little bit better mousetrap the evolution of the evolution of dirt late models is something that's that I've learned is pretty hard to uh, outsmart. I mean, even if uh, you know there's some some things on there that aren't perfectly ideal situations, having thousands and thousands of racers out there every week trial and erroring their way, um, trying to trying to find speed. I mean, over decades of doing this, something that's that's actually pretty good is going to. Uh, going to appear and so me going off the beaten path and trying to just uh come up with something 100 percent different um out of the blue uh is just it's just not not very easy i thought it'd be a lot easier than it was but i'm learning some lessons the hard way yeah and so i'm trying to understand some more of your background too so i i understand you raced asphalt at some point and you went up there as a as a fan of the world 100 as we all do you know i go every year too and i sit up there and man that's and i've heard you say quoted before that it's just a place that's just like no other and that, that it would be your goal to go there and win the world 100 so you decided to build that car but uh i guess what year was that that you did that and then when did you and then how long did it take you from from that point when you decided to do that to uh to debut in that car the first car that you was yeah, that was in uh, 2017, I think. It was the year Davenport won and, and the GR Smith ride. And, uh, yeah, so pretty much I went to PRI that year and kind of scoped some things out, talked to some people, and started putting it, putting together a plan. And uh, it took me about a year and a half to fully design and build uh, the straight axle car. That was, you know, that was the, the first edition. It actually took two two chassis to get right. The first one I messed up so bad that I ended up having to crumple up and throw in the trash. The second one ended up being pretty good, and that was the one that I uh, I won the Cherokee race with. And um, but yeah, that one that is, turned a lot of heads, and I want to get to that before we get before we get done tonight for sure. Yeah, yeah. So um, that 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 took you know that took quite a bit of time to get to that point. Um, what, but once uh, once I had to start building a few other cars because that one, of course, got got outlawed. Um, you know, I had a lot of the uh, a lot of the things figured out that I needed to figure out for something that had a different front end. Um, so it didn't take quite as long. I can I can spit one out in about a month and a half now. So yeah, and you're doing it right there at your at your house, correct? Yeah, I. Uh, I have a shop that is uh, attached to the the place I work at and I just kind of mosey over there after hours and tinker around. Uh, has, hasn't quite been tinkering around lately. It's been like thrashing for, you know, <laughs> six, six, seven hours after work and getting home at one o'clock and, uh, kissing my sleeping fiance and then getting back up at seven in the morning to go do it again. Um, but yeah, it's def definitely sounds like it's a big sacrifice. Um, so, 
I, I remember when I first saw you show up at, at probably a race at Cherokee there, you, uh, you parked way away from all the rest of the super late models down there in the infield and you had your car covered up like it was like it was top secret and i was wondering like from that point like man what's this guy do i didn't know who you were or nothing and uh <laughs> that thing was just kind of like covered up and top secret and and you didn't really run too good those first couple of times as you alluded to but then whenever you did come back and you outran brandon overton there in september 2020 last year just a few days before the world 100 i mean that that was a big that was a huge win and turned a lot of heads your way yeah for sure um i mean i i kind of looked at it just like winning a carolina class race um but yeah, the reality was is that i beat brandon overton who was on quite a hot streak and <laughs> since uh since that win, i've got to really see how good that guy is and so it's made me appreciate how significant that win was um it was uh like you said a big a big head turner and the fact that a uh, a non-rocket or, or a non-longhorn rolled in there especially with someone with as little of a name as i had at that point with as little experience as i had at that point and uh for all intents and purposes um skull drag the number one racer in the country it was uh definitely a uh, a big head turner like you said it was it was a huge upset win that night it was uh it was one of those deals where it was like man it's, it's like we're all like who is this guy and uh yeah we it, it we were paying attention from there and then I, I think the whole industry was paying attention to you there as well and of course the uh the world of outlaws took a look at what you had and tell us a little bit about how that went and uh then they banned the the whole straight axle thing and also tell me a little bit about your thoughts behind that uh straight axle idea because that as far as I know, I don't know if that ever has ever been done before in a late model. Yeah. Um, basically the whole thought process there was I just, you know, I, whenever I built the car, I kind of looked at it from a first principles standpoint where, um, uh, it being done that way forever wasn't a good enough reason for me to put it on the car. So basically I, I analyzed everything I could to the level of, okay, well, why is it even on here? Um, and so whenever I was designing my front suspension, I, I kind of listed out all of the functions of a front suspension and prioritized them in what I thought was the order from most important to least important. And then I researched all of the types of suspensions there were and graded all of the suspensions out according to my uh, priority list. And the straight axle graded out first. And so I put a straight axle in it. Uh, packaging was definitely uh the biggest issue i could write a book on uh the cooling issues we ran into being that you have to uh, weave the beam around the front of the engine and there's a, a fan to contend with um so that part was uh that part was really challenging and, and really fun actually i had a lot of fun with with all of the uh different versions of cooling systems and made me quite a uh, an expert on late model cooling systems whether i uh, really wanted to or not but as far as the, uh, the actual uh, technical side of it, uh, that was, uh, it, it's hard to kind of tell that story without throwing people under the bus. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I will say you that can put it Casey, in the book, though, 20 or 30 years from now, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I will say that Kenny and Casey are nothing but, um, nothing but the, the most respect, respectable uh, people that I've run across. As far as uh, series directors and technical directors, those guys, um, they they were on board 
and they uh, they didn't see anything wrong with it because there was no rules against it. Um, and anything that happened was uh, not of, uh, you know, it was, I guess, not their doing. So I have a lot of respect for those guys. Um, I think they have the, the good of the sport at heart. And uh, I somewhat understand the decision to uh, to outlaw it, but the uh, the reasoning was just kind of ironic because it was mostly uh, you know people saying that it was too, there was uh, they were trying to outlaw technology and trying to uh, keep the cost down when in reality it was horse and buggy suspension that costs a uh, a fraction of the cost of uh, what the more traditional late model suspension costs so. Well, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, well, we'll leave it at that for just a moment. We're going to take a quick break on the Forward Bike Podcast. We're talking with Austin Kirkpatrick today. This is the Forward Bike Podcast on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Before we get back to Forward Bike with Kyle Armstrong, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance, but it could also give you a chance to learn about someone in the motorsports or automotive industry. Join Ralph Shaheen for the Geico 15-Minute Moto Show, available now on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, NASCAR Digital Media, and your favorite podcast platforms. Welcome back to the Forward Bike Podcast. We've got Austin Kirkpatrick on the Andy's Tow and Hotline here in the Speed Sports Studios, presented by Crosley Radio. Well, Austin, before the break, there you were talking about the uh, pr- uh, the, the straight axle there, and I guess I guess you were talking about the pros and cons. Well, what what did you see in that idea behind that? As far as uh, as far I mean, because that's you know, like you said, it's been around since the horse and buggy days, and uh, what made you think that that was going to be the way to go? And obviously, it paid off there that at least that one night. Yeah, um, I, I saw a few few potential advantages just mostly because the current suspension has so many compromises in it uh, due to the extreme travel ranges that we see on our cars. And uh, <clears throat> the straight axle is pretty much, it allows you to build the, uh, the front end settings how you want and then the whole car articulates around the beam rather than having to map out all of these complex motions of a, an independent front suspension. And uh, really, at the end of the day, I wasn't smart enough to get independent front suspension to do what I wanted to do. And so I went to the straight axle because it would have accomplished what I wanted to accomplish easier. Um, <clears throat> and so I also learned a lot in the process of doing that and in the process of validating how fast the straight axle was, there was a little bit of luck involved. There's some things I didn't take into consideration that actually made that car fast. Um, that was just based purely on luck that I did not can take into consideration. Um, and we were able to, we were able to find that out after the fact. And that's kind of one of the reasons this last, the, the car that I crashed at the dream was slow is because those factors weren't taken into consideration. And so we were able to implement some of those things on the new car. And, um, I think that's why we're, we're a little bit better now. Yeah. And it looks like you're uh, working with Bill Stein now on your, on your shock package. I guess they've got you tuned in pretty good, huh? Yeah. After, uh, that Cherokee race, Kevin invited me over to the shop and, he, uh, me and him had a, a, a good conversation and he's always been kind of a, uh, a role model to me. The whole 2015 season was really inspiring, uh, for someone like me just because he was able to 
uh, use his head and uh, use some some innovation to really go out there and shake things up and and dominate in a way that hadn't been done in a long time. And so, uh, like I said, he's always been a role model, and for him to you know he, him inviting me over to the shop to, to have a conversation was was really cool. And uh, he's he's been a huge huge help to me um, ever since we met. He's been um, he's been very helpful on many fronts and. Uh, I'm very grateful for everything he's done to help out, including um, the 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 help that that Aaron and Bill Stein have have provided me, and um, I'm I'm very happy to represent them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's some good people over there for sure, and uh, and Kevin's a good guy. I'd like I'd love to have him on here one day. I think it'd probably be about a three hour episode because he's got so many things to talk about, but. Oh yeah, for sure. I uh, I've been trying to convince him to uh to to write a book about the 2015 season. Oh yeah, now that would be something to. I think that would uh I think that would uh sell pretty good for sure. That I I'd mean buy that, it. that yeah that whole deal there was innovative. That's a that's a topic for another day. But I mean that yeah they they kicked ass that year for sure. And uh, so this weekend you I noticed you had on that t shirt that just said Austin versus the world. And I don't think there was any I, I get it, but like I don't think that anybody ever said anything about it, but you were seen on the broadcast and the big screen wearing it and around the pits and everything and uh, tell me what that's about. <laughs> yeah, so um the story is probably gonna be a little bit of a letdown, but my uh, <laughs> my mom my mom was in Texas and uh saw that shirt. She was I think on a layover flight in Austin and uh bought it and, and gave it to me. I'm uh, I'm not so arrogant that I got a custom shirt made that said <laughs> Austin versus the world. I thought it was a um, custom deal from what I... <laughs> n- No, no, no. I'm not I'm not that arrogant. Uh oh. but it it did it did it, it was kind of a funny shirt because you know we were obviously at the World 100 and and our whole our whole kind of goal this whole time has been to win the race. So Austin versus the world seemed like a a fitting shirt. Yeah, that was a good. Uh, that was that's probably what we'll name this podcast. So, <laughs> it was a nice. Yeah, that that was a good T-shirt to wear for sure. And uh, anyway, I don't know. So, what's next? I joke. <laughs> I, I jokingly said with uh, I was I was talking with with uh, my good friend Gr Smith. He was giving me some hell about wearing that shirt, and I said <laughs> that uh, I needed to uh, update the back and to say uh, World One Austin Zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I know some guys that can do that for you. So if you wanna, if you wanna. <laughs> That'd be neat. Well, what's next up for Austin Kirkpatrick here coming up in the next few weeks? I know you put a lot of focus on those two Eldora races this year. Is there a, is there anything else coming up in the in the near future for you? Yeah, um, I'm probably going to take a week off here and just get caught up on some live stuff. Like I said, my, my yard was a complete disaster. Uh, my trailer has been completely destroyed as a result of having you know, a bunch of us unorganized guys running in and out of it for for four days um shop's pretty pretty hectic so i need to definitely need to get some things reorganized and cleaned up and just take a take a little bit take a little refresher and then after after i guess get get all my stuff back in order i'll I'll put together a schedule for the rest of the year i'm sure i'll go to the world finals um two of these other big races to close out the season so and then um going into the off season who knows where where we'll be by then, but I I can't plan that far out. But <laughs> well, is the AK race car is it for sale? If you had somebody call you and want to buy one, is it for sale, or are you just kind of just still playing with it for your for yourself? Um, for now, 
it's uh it's still in development stage i definitely uh you know it's 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 definitely getting closer to being something that i'll uh, i'll start to produce for consumer use but as of right now it's it's still an r&d stage i would i want to feel 100 percent confident that i have something that's superior to anything else being offered before uh, before offering it to the market yeah that's cool so i mean and me asking that as your phone rang and you don't have to name names but as your phone rang uh, any since since the success somebody wanting to buy somebody wanting you to build them one yeah for sure um it's hard to gauge how serious people are, but there's definitely been a lot of people that have asked for, uh, you know, asked to buy one. Um, but that, that, you know, they could all be tire kickers for all we know. <laughs> That's right. Well, just get, keep going out there and doing what you're doing with it. And, uh, it, you know, maybe one day you'll be at the level that Mark and, uh, Longhorn and all them are. So yeah, who knows, but it's, but man, definitely, I'm I'm proud to see what you've done with that thing, and and it's it's a big accomplishment. And you know, we I, I don't so I, I was still like I, I asked you earlier, but I don't think we uh, I don't think we ever really got to it. But your your background in racing, like before you uh, got into a dirt late model, what what was tell me a little bit about some of what you've what you've done before these late models? Yes, yeah, so I raced uh, carts just like about everybody did. Um, won national championships and stuff in that. Uh, which doesn't have, you know, too much translation to race cars. But uh, after that, I started racing uh, pavement late models back when the ASA series was still a thing. So we, uh, I think we won Rookie of the Year in, I don't know, 2010, 2011, running uh, ASA late models. And then I got tired of seeing people that I was out running and competing with moving up the, the ladder and, and uh, racing on Saturday and Sunday on TV uh, when I didn't feel like they were, they'd done anything talent wise or performance wise to, to warrant that and started to realize how much of a, uh, a political and money game NASCAR was. And was like, man, this is just, it's a big, big waste of time. If, if the goal is to become a NASCAR driver, unless, uh, unless we hit the lottery. So <clears throat> I think in about 2000, 13 2014 uh we sold all of our pavement stuff and and got got some dirt uh dirt limited late models to uh to run around in florida with where i was living at the time and um we uh we started started kind of trying to progress that ladder to me dirt late models are way cooler racing vehicles they're way more intriguing from a vehicle dynamic side the the races pay way better they're way more fans the racing is way better they're way more fun to drive everything about them is better the only difference is nascar is not at the top of the ladder and uh that that wasn't a deterrent for me at all and uh i've grown to be a huge dirt late model fan and advocate and hope i can you know stick around for a long time yeah i like everything about what you just said there and i you know nascar it, it is at the top and it's its own thing but i think what we've got going on with dirt late models especially super late models in itself is the biggest form of short track racing in america i mean if you look at uh, your super late model asphalt stuff you know a big race for those guys pays six thousand to win well if you look at what we're doing super late models this coming weekend We've got fifty thousand to win at Knoxville, Iowa, and fifty thousand to win down at Texas Motor Speedway, and it's, you know, it's just huge like that. So that that would be unheard of in, in late model stock car or 
super link model competition on asphalt. So we are yeah, at the top as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a I mean this this conversation could go could go on for a <laughs> long time, but the uh there's a fine line there I feel like um between being grassroots and becoming becoming too too mainstream and getting too much money involved. Um there's uh, I mean that's basically what happened to NASCAR. NASCAR was what dirt late model racing is right now back in the seventies uh, and eighties. And then it got so big that it, it lost a lot of what made it great in the first place. I mean, you look, you, the, you could make the same parallel and, uh, in music. I mean, how many, uh, how many singers that, you know, that you knew before they got on the radio and you listened to their albums that were all good. And then they get on the radio and get mainstream and get paid all that money. And then all their music goes to shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's uh it's just a fine line and if you if these races start paying a million dollars to win you you're going to start getting a lot more uh engineering and a lot more technology involved so that people can't build race cars in their garage like they can currently i mean it's still possible for somebody to buy two thousand dollars worth of tubes from stock car steel and you know with with some free computer programs a welder a grinder and a few other tools you can get at home depot put together a late model and go race it and it's still possible today and you know like a like i'm kind of alluding to if it gets a little too bit if it gets all too main mainstream then uh, that that becomes harder and harder yeah and you're living proof of that going and building your own race car and going out there and competing uh one more question here i've got about that you know you're talking about the dirt late models and everything when did you when do you think you really started paying attention to it was it whenever you started racing them there and 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 also that's a two-part question i guess do you really appreciate the history of the sport and of course that was the 50th world this weekend and you were in the starting lineup that has to sort of make you feel special in a way i guess yeah um i always had a uh a distant admiration for the dirt late model guys. Um, even when I was racing crate asphalt stuff, I'd go watch the world outlaw races at East Bay or Ocala or Volusia. And there was a pretty, uh, pretty large consensus among me and my other asphalt racing friends that we could never do what those guys are doing. They're way better drivers than us. And, um, we were, we were all pretty good at pavement racing. Um, but there was, like I said, there was definitely a, an admiration for the dirt late model guys watching Jimmy Owens and Scott Bloom, Bloomquist and uh, Don O'Neill and those guys, you know, we, we were, we were all fans. And so whenever I started racing, um, <laughs> I definitely realized how hard it was uh, or started racing dirt late models. Rather, I definitely realized how hard it was. And uh, it's just been pretty much a nonstop grind since then to, uh, to get, get to the top. And to answer the the second part of your question, um, I'm probably not as well versed on the history side as I should be. Um, the the you know before I started racing dirt late models, um, you know I, I it's it's kind of hard to to learn up on. Um, but I mean I definitely am aware of the uh, you know, the prowess of the C.J. Rayburns and the, the Larry Moore and the, the Jeff Purvises and obviously Scott Bloomquist and Billy Moyer, those guys are still picking, but, um, you know, I've, I've done a little bit of research on Eldora Speedway specifically and, and their history because, you know, like I've said multiple times that my goal pretty much explicitly has been to win the world 100. And, uh, you know, I fell in love with it 
like everyone does when they when they when they first go there and so i did want to learn more about what makes it so great and what gives it that aura and um the the i guess the the ambiance and and what just the the energy that it has and so i am i'm decently well versed on eldora's history and you know watching that uh that dear Eldora bit that, that Michael Rigsby did, you know, it literally gave me goosebumps sitting there and staging watching all those guys, uh, talk about what, what Eldora means to them. And, you know, seeing the tears in Rigsby's eyes definitely, uh, may have made me tear up a little bit too. So, um, I, 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 anybody that hasn't been to that racetrack may, may look at that and think that there's a little bit of acting or a little bit of fakeness there, but it's absolutely not. I mean, that place, we were all super bummed out that we had to leave. I mean, if, if we could have stayed there another few days and just, you know, sat in the campground and soaked it in a little bit more, we would have. Yeah, man, everything you said about that was correct. You know, I had goosebumps too watching that video and it was, I got goosebumps again, thinking about it. I mean, it, it that means everything. Uh, that place, that race, and everything. Well, Austin, this has just been a fantastic conversation with you tonight. Well exceeded my expectations, but uh, before I let you why, go. Why is that? Do you have low <laughs> expectations, Kyle? No, I didn't, but uh, it's just been – I've learned a lot about you that I never would have uh, that I never would have known had we not did this. So, yeah, man, I, I've, I've had a lot of fun doing it, but I'm going to put you on the spot here before I let you go and give you a chance Uh-oh. to uh, <laughs> give you a chance to thank your supporters and, and crew and everybody that helps you out. Yeah, so this is, uh, you know, it's it's a list of friends, I'd say. Um, I've got a lot of people that have helped out from just a, uh, a um, I guess, more of a, a mentoring side that's that's kept me in the game and, and helped uh, advise uh, on technical things and political things and life things. Um, I like thinking those guys first because most of those guys have been around since the beginning before, you know, I've not that I'm someone special now, but before I you know, gained any notoriety. So, um, you know, I got a, a good friend named Kent Taylor who, uh, I met on uh, the, the good old foreign message boards that, uh, he's, he's oh, yeah. helped me out. He's helped me out a ton. Um, my, my friend, Rich Pratt, who's a racer down in Florida who we talk all the time. He's helped me out quite a bit. Um, I mean, I'm just, I, I could go on and on with, with people like that that have helped out. Neil Lewis, my data guy, um, Aaron, uh, Andrew Lee, uh, is a, a friend that I've, I've met in the last few, few, I guess probably about, about a year ago. And, uh, he's been what become one of my really close friends and he, me and him are constantly trying to get to the bottom of what makes these cars fast. And, uh, Matt Furman, he's helped me out on, on a lot of understanding stuff. Kevin Rumlane, and Aaron over at Bill Stein have helped me out a lot. Uh, I've got a, you know, my, my mom, dad, obviously they've, they've been longtime supporters, almost 28 years. Um, my fiance, uh, GR Smith's helped me out a lot this year. Uh, my friend, uh, Trey Weaver's helped me out for a long time. Got a lot of, a lot of product sponsors. SRI helps me out. Dynamic drive lines, Schoenfeld headers. Uh, who else we got? Uh, Kenny Collins mentioned him earlier. He he designed a hell of a wrap for for the World 100 car. Um, and I'm, not, I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot of people, but um, it's you know I, I get a 
there's a misconception that I pretty much do all this stuff myself, and that's that's definitely not true. I, I definitely have a lot of help, and I couldn't I couldn't do it with all, without any of it, or without you know all the help that I get from all of these people that support what I'm doing. Well, absolutely, it takes everybody to make the wheels turn and uh, and the world go around. So, Austin, it's been a lot of fun tonight having you on the podcast. Another episode of the Forward Bike Podcast is in the books for this week in the Speed Sports Studios, presented by Crosley Radio. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong. We'll see you next week.